So usually when I ask these questions at the beginning of the show, I try to be kind of timely, you know, especially if there is something that happened that week or, you know, whatever. Um, But we are recording this a week early. So by the time you hear this, I have no effing clue. Because one of the books that we're going to talk about tonight (laughs) has to deal with cookies. Um, My question for you guys tonight is very simple. What is your favorite cookie? And I'm going to start with Tabitha tonight because she made some phenomenal PSL cookies um, that off the table, you you cannot claim those as your favorite cookie. Just saying, although they were phenomenal. But still. Uh, nothing I bake will ever be my favorite of anything because I'm hypercritical of myself. However, Matt mostly made these, if I'm being honest. <laughs> uh, he just got stressed out when the batter was, uh, the texture of the batter was freaking Matt out. So we had to, <laughs> we had to switch off. Um, so this is very random and it's not something you buy in store. I'm on the uh, Lincoln Library Alliance board. And for our book sale this past summer, one of our members, Tom, brought in baked goods for all of the volunteers and the staff that work the book sale. And he brought these almond bars. And literally not a day has gone by (laughs) since that book sale that I have not thought of those almond bars. Like I had had a really long day by the time I got to that book sale. I put away like five of those almond bars in like an hour. And had I been there all day with those, I would have literally been Cookie Monster just sitting there (laughs) like with crumbs flying everywhere for hours. Seriously, like I've never thought about a cookie so long after I've had a cookie, <laughs> except those. And they're like a cookie bar. Oh, so good. I can't even talk about it. <laughs> so mine is not as specific as yours. Um, it should be basically anything with sprinkles, because if you guys know me, you know that I'm a sprinkle fiend. However, um, my favorite cookie, and I haven't had one in a while, but is Snickerdoodle. I love a good snickerdoodle cookie, especially if it's like a soft snickerdoodle cookie. Hard snickerdoodle cookies, I'm not feeling you. I just like saying snickerdoodle. <laughs> I make pretty mean snickerdoodle. I'll invite you over next time I make them. Yes. So with that, Lydia. So I'm going to get like Tabitha. I'm going to get like very specific here. So when I was little, me and my sister used to uh, basically go like bake sale and we would make a bunch of different cookies and then we would go around and sell them for like a dollar a ziploc baggie to like the people my dad worked with and things like that and i would use that money to buy my mega pass for the fair nice one of the things that we would make is we would use a mini muffin pan with like chocolate chip cookie dough just minus the chocolate chips in the muffin pan and then we would shove one of the mini reese's down Mm. in the center of it and I don't know why, but you asked that question and that popped into my head. I'm like, oh my God, I haven't had one of those in so long. But I think that's probably one of my favorites and I want to make those now. Nice. Matt. So I hadn't, rem- I hadn't been reminiscing about cookies until we started talking about this. <laughs> um, but in general, I, 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 I flip-flop between two favorite cookies. Um, Mitch, I'm with you. Um, a good soft snickerdoodle is especially warm out of the oven is phenomenal. Um, 
I'm also fairly basic, and I do love an amazing chocolate chip chocolate chip cookie. Um, which again, as we we're reminiscing, um, I had this friend in high school that, like, like a lot of us in high school, we were. I was definitely part of the socially awkward group, and like you wouldn't have never guessed it, but this this kid, like, he made the best chocolate chip cookies of anybody. Um, so now I'm thinking about those chocolate chip cookies that he made in high school, which is weird. <laughs> anyway. Bet you didn't know you were going to get this in-depth a cookie question. Did I didn't. You? I didn't. I mean, all you have to do is talk to us about food, and we're like, yeah, food. <laughs> all the memories. So basically what I gather from this is that we need to have a Geek Awakens bake night. Okay. Okay. And then a Geek Awakens bake sale. That seems like a lot of work. Yeah. I'll bake for y'all, but I don't want to... That baking in mass is like I accidentally do that not on purpose <laughs> I Same accidentally room. end up with 213 peanut butter cookies in my kitchen because I couldn't get my batter to look right because I've never <laughs> measured anything in my entire life and suddenly there are peanut butter cookies coming out of the walls <laughs> and Matt's like what did you do my batter looked wrong and so I just kept putting things in it until it looked right. And by the time it looked right, I had enough batter for 213 cookies. I filled a house of peanut butter cookies. <laughs> the fact that you know it was that many. Oh, I, it was a lot. Like, I had that oven running for, like, six hours. I was like, peanut butter cookies. I only got two cookie sheets. Oh, no, that's even worse. You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, and Lydia. Okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) we don't have a lot to talk about this week, because kind of like I mentioned, like, we don't know what the big geek news is. So, um, we have a couple of very different books in the pull list. <laughs> and then we have... <laughs> Why didn't you do this? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose, okay? Um, and then uh, we haven't done a Guilty Pleasure Dumpster final in a while, so we have that as well. So, let's start with the pull list. What's on our pull list this week? Oh, no. <laughs> and we're going to start tonight with uh, Quinelope and the Cookie, Cookie King. It is out now from Oni Press by H.F. Brownfield and Kayla Coombs. So, Quinelope's kingdom is in crisis. It is out of cookies. When she learns it's because the Cookie King has gone missing, it's up to her and her friends, Star and Bub, to save the day. Um, Tabitha, what'd you think? I am not finished with this, but I love this art. This gives me Adventure Time, Princess Bubblegum vibes, like all over the place. Like I said, not very far, but it's quirky and it's fun and it's cute. And God forbid there ever is a world where we don't have any cookies. Yeah, um, I agree with you. It's quirky. It's fun. Um, the art style, I couldn't put my finger on it, but you are like 100% like it, it, definite Adventure Time vibes. 
Um, I'm weirded out though that the Cookie King makes and then eats cookies. There's a lot of cookie cannibalism in this book, and it's just a smidge terrifying. Is the Cookie King shaped like a cookie? It is. He is a cookie. Yes. He is a cookie. That's uncomfortable. With yeah. the bite taken out of his head. Yeah. That's even more well, somebody already did it to him. He's just doing what he knows. Generational I guess. trauma, man. <laughs> <laughs> To be but, fair, I didn't put that together until just right now. But, <laughs> but and, and also that said, this is definitely a book that is for younger readers. And those younger readers definitely will not pick up on that. Uh, <laughs> help. Yeah. Um, somebody who is almost 40 and has seen some stuff, he <laughs> would notice that. But no, little, little eight-year-old Julia, she's not going to notice that. So... Um, but yeah, but I mean, yes, this is fun. Um, I'm about halfway through. I'm I'm probably going to finish this because I do have to see how Quinelope saves the Cookie King. Matt, what do you think? This is wonderful. Um, yeah, it took me until about halfway through to really get to really put a finger on the vibe behind the whole thing, and it's definitely Adventure Time feel. Um, it's it's wonderful. It's lighthearted. Um, I'm going to pass this on to my youngest because I think he would absolutely love it because he's also a cookie fiend. Um, but uh, it is. It's just fun. Like, I, I will say that the beginning, um, I, I maybe this is just me. I, I, had a, I had a rough go at the beginning. Uh, it was a little choppy. Um, but then when they get to the map on the cookie, <laughs> that go, they have to follow that and then... Quinelope keeps eating the pieces of the map that they've already visited because she's hungry and wants a cookie was that was wonderful. I love that. Um, it's, it's a super fast read. Um, I almost want to go back and read this again. This was great. Um, so the next book that we're going to talk about is Sainted Love. It is out September 27th from Vault Comics written by Steve Orlando with art by Giopata. So, picture it. New York, 1907. <laughs> I was hoping you that you... Wrong, you are the wrong golden girl right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a story for Blanche Devereaux, if there ever was one. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. So... <laughs> Uh, Malcolm Irina is an inventor, and his lover, John Wolf, is the toughest boxer in the city, even if his trainer is a woman. Uh, when Detective Felt raids the couple's home, Malcolm has no choice but to put on his chrono corridor to the test uh, as he and John escape to a new time and place. So, I did not expect for this to be as graphic as it is. Um, so, fair warning, this book uh, has graphic male nudity. So, if that does not, um, you know, if that yucks your yum, then maybe stay away from this book. Um, but that said, so, full disclosure, um, like we talked about in the last episode with um, the vault doing the Kickstarter with that comic with Slash, um, which... In our time, it was maybe, what, like a half hour ago, and I've already forgotten the name. It's fine. Um, but they put out a Kickstarter for the collected edition for this, like, a few months ago. And I'm a big fan of Steve Orlando's work. I'm a big fan of Vault. So I was like, okay, I'm in for this. And I still did not expect 
what we saw in the first issue. But yeah, so kind of like what we're tiptoeing around here, like there are at least two like pretty graphic sex scenes. Um, but even with those taken out of the picture, uh, I am really enjoying this story. I love the idea of, you know, these this couple who has to basically like as we see, like there's there's a bigger story that I think is going to be revealed in the next couple of issues. Um, and so to see them like basically running through time to escape or I mean, maybe even end up conquering this evil malignant force. I mean, like. I'm here for it. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, I guess way to be sex positive. Um, Lydia, you also read this. What'd you think? So I've only gotten about halfway through it. Um, I actually stopped like right before they jumped through the like riff thing he made. Um, overall, I am enjoying this. I want to see more. But yeah, like you said, I was not um, expecting this to get as uh, in-depth shall we say, as it did in that scene. Um, especially with my father sitting in our recliner no farther away from me than you are sitting right now. Um, so that was awkward. Um, I'm really excited to see where the rest of the storyline goes. Um, I hope Patricia continues to be around in some way because the little bit that you see of her, and that's that's the trainer that uh, Wolf has, if... Um, I love her already, just because, you know, you got this guy that's harassing her and Wolf because she's a woman training this guy to be a boxer, and she just full-on headbutts this dude in the face, <laughs> and that is the energy I want to exude, so I hope she comes back and is a bigger part of this, but yeah, I, I'm excited to continue. I'm At least I know now what to expect with some of the other, other stuff that's going on, so... I will not be reading this next to my father anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what'd you think? Um, I I definitely enjoyed the sci-fi story element to this. Um, it was a little more graphic than I was expecting. Nothing wrong with that. It just was not, even for what I expected to be an adult story, um, like you said, Mitch, it was a little bit, a little bit further than I think any of us we're expecting um but either way story-wise um i like the time travel element i like the fact that they obviously have a bigger um foe at hand and we will we'll see more of that um unravel as they chase run meet up through time so so i was desperately looking through all the books that I've ever read, basically, because I was like, this reminded me of something, and I couldn't remember what it was. Um, I think it was last year. I read this book um, by Ian McDonald called Time Was, and it is essentially about these two men who fall in love during World War II, and in their time in World War II, they uncover a... Um, oh, my God, I about called them the Rebel Alliance. Um, <laughs> Woo. Uh, a plot um, by the other side that is um, to open fissures in time, to be able to travel to see who wins what and to be able to fix it if it doesn't go the way that the that side wants it to go. Uh, no plot spoilers or anything from that book. It is a novella. It is very short. This 
gave me those vibes. It reminded me of that book a lot. Um, but not in like a plagiarizing kind of way, just like in the way like it made you feel. Like, because I hate a time travel story unless that time travel story revolves around two people who keep meeting over and over and over through different periods of time, whether their meeting is the same iteration or different people. I love that. It's a trope that I fall for every single time. This was fantastic. It, yeah, it was a little explicit, but that doesn't phase me. That doesn't bother me. I I really enjoyed this. It had some, like, levity. There were some funny, like, cute little little snappy moments that, like, made me chuckle a little bit. I like this. I will continue reading it. <laughs> so let's go into Guilty Pleasure Dumpster Fire. Is it a guilty pleasure or is it a dumpster fire? And tonight we are talking about Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. Um, was not initially even on our radar. I had suggested a different movie and then Tabitha was like, wait, this looks like this other movie. And then everybody else decided to watch this. I was the lone outlier in saying, hey, we should probably still watch the other one, but it's fine. It's fine. It's on the list. It is. Yeah. So... If you don't know, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time is a 2010 movie based on the 2003 video game of the same name. Uh, Destan is an orphan who is adopted by King Charman uh, after showing courage for some reason. Um, King Charman rules over Persia with his brother Scar. Uh, I mean, Nizam. <laughs> <laughs> Fifteen years later, Nizam informs Dastan, along with his adoptive brothers, Tus and Garsiv, uh, that the city of Alamut is forging weapons for Persia's enemies. Anyway, I've already told you enough of the story. The king ends up getting poisoned, and everybody thinks it's Dastan. Dastan thinks it's Tus who poisoned the king. Uh, Simba, I mean Dastan, uh, runs away, finds Tamina, um, princess of Alamut City, I guess? Um... And then the two fight over a dagger that can turn back time. I think Cher was also looking for that. <laughs> um, and they discover that Nizam was the killer all along. Dun, dun, dun. Spoiler alert. Um, he planned to use the dagger and the magic sand to go back in time and not save his brother, which would then kill his brother and then make him the king. I don't know, man. A bunch of people get killed, and then thanks to the Sands of Time, they go back to when Dastan first got the dagger, so then everybody's still alive. Um, and then he still remembers everything, so he reveals Nizam's plot. Nizam ends up getting killed by Tuss. Everybody lives happily ever after. And there's this really awkward scene between Tamina and Dastan where, like, Dastan still remembers everything, but Tamina doesn't. And, like, he's just got this, like, really weird creeper grin on his face. Um <laughs> And there was just, yeah, I just was, I was uncomfy. We'll talk about that in a minute. So, <sighs> Prince of Persia had a few issues. Most namely was probably the whitewashing of the cast. Um, it has a 6.6 .6 out of 10 rating on IMDb and a 36% score on Rotten Tomatoes. So, written by Boaz Yankin, which is a fake name. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And Doug Miro, uh, directed by Mike Newell and starring Jake Gyllenhaal as Destan, uh, Kesha, I mean, Jim Arton as Tamina, 
Ben Kingsley as Nizam, Alfred Molina as Sheik Amar, and introducing the wig I wore in the two-character play as Destan's hair (laughs) is Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, a guilty pleasure or a dumpster fire. So, um, I'm pretty sure, Lydia, you were the one who said that because you, th- we originally were talking about John Carter. Mm-hmm. Tabitha was like, "Wait, didn't John Carter star Jake Gyllenhaal?" And then Lydia was like, "No, you're thinking of Prince of Persia." Yeah. So, since Their this covers is covers are the same, they pretty yeah, much are. this is how we got to the play. <laughs> <laughs> so, since this is kind of your fault, Lydia, let's start with you this round. <laughs> what works with Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time? What works with it? I mean. One of the biggest things of this that I enjoyed from, like, the fact that this this is a video game movie, and we all know video game movies have a horrible reputation, like they hardly ever come out good. Um, the movie did a really good job of like kind of playing into that. There's a lot of like the scenes where they're running through the towns and the little fight scenes and the jumping around. Like that is so reminiscent of the video game and like actual video game graphics that like I was kind of geeking out a little bit I'm not gonna lie <laughs> and then like little slow-mos with the fights and stuff there are also some really cute little like jokes and jabs here and there like the whole thing with the taxes in the <laughs> little desert uh, city where they're racing ostriches for some reason <laughs> like I'm not gonna lie I giggled um some of the outfits and like the design and the like the beads in her the hair of Tamina is really gorgeous. Some some of the other costumes not so much, but like I feel like they're really focused in on her look, and I really like the costumes and stuff on her. Um, like big outline things that are good. I can't really think of a whole lot, but I'm not gonna lie. There is a lot of this movie that I enjoyed probably more than I should have. So. Matt, what worked for you? Um, so I don't remember if I ever actually played any of this video game or not. Um, but I remember watching enough clips, trailers, videos, whatever, um, where there are definitely action sequences, whether it's fights or there's one point where uh, Destan does a backflip, which I recall being pretty pretty iconic in the game and something you know shows up you know similarly in the movie um there's a couple of spots where he runs over like those those poles that stick out of walls that are like you know aladdin running for his loaf of bread (laughs) um but um like like that type of motion was i remember that being in the game so like a lot of those things were I felt like they were well done for callbacks to the video game. Um, yeah, we all know the the track record, but like as far as being able to insert those things without feeling campy, yes, or like overtly like, hey, this is a video game movie. Like, if you've played the video game or watched the video game, like you're gonna pick up on those things, and it's not gonna smack you in the face that this is like what they were trying to do. Um, I hadn't really thought about the costumes until you said it, Lydia, but you're right. Like, as far as costuming goes, it's 
like it's pretty impressive. Like there's some pretty good costumes like throughout the whole thing. Um, I don't know. Like I, re- I admit I did watch this a long time ago. I watched it again. Um, I don't know. It's it's okay. I had something else, and now I completely lost my train of thought. So, well, if you remember, you can yeah. you can interrupt. <laughs> um, yeah, to kind of echo what Matt said, and Lydia, you you started this. I didn't even really appreciate it, but yeah, like once you said it, kind of thinking back, the costumes were well done. I will give this movie that. Um, also, like. I'm not going to say that it was executed well, but I like the idea of the dagger with the sands of time. I think that that is interesting. I don't think that this movie executed it super well, um, but it had potential there. Also, um, I did like the ostriches. (laughs) There was one scene where um, Alfred Molina's character talks about like some of the ostriches being like, uh, depressed because <laughs> they couldn't race. I was like, oh, same. <laughs> Tabitha, what worked for you? Okay, so first and foremost, I never remember how the rules of this thing work when we do these. I forget that you ask questions because what I like to do is just live tweet it to myself via a note on my phone while we're watching because I have the memory of a very drunk chipmunk. And... <laughs> Um, I didn't put them in that kind of order. So if, if you will not hate me and I'm going to take this show a little off the rails, I'm just going to read my live tweets. Is that okay? Okay. Okay. And then I don't have to say anything else for the whole night because it's all in this and it's like this much. Okay. So starting with magical dagger, is that a euphemism? (laughs) Strike one, papyrus. The font choice for Papyrus. Um, uh, What is this little blue-eyed Aladdin doing in Persia? Um, I wish Tiny Tabitha was informed that you could get adopted by a king by throwing an apple at someone's head. (laughs) This bad accent of Jake Gyllenhaal's is awful. Um, Unlike Lydia, the video game views of things were making me a little nauseous. They were like, (laughs) and I'm like, maybe this is why I don't play video games. I don't like this. I don't like this. Um... I should have just played two hours of Assassin's Creed. Um, you know how you can tell she's a princess? Because she's got Joanne Fla- Fabrics floral picks in her hair. <laughs> uh, in all capital letters, why are we kissing? Oh, we're diversion kissing. I approve. Who wrote this movie, Thanos? Every time someone like turned to sand, I was like, eh, they got dusted. Like <laughs> uh, Matt pointed out every time Jake Gyllenhaal was on screen with that red uh, turban on his head that we had, we had located Taylor Swift's scarf. Um, I, we had also decided that we were going to turn every time they say Daston into a drinking game and we would all be dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Assassin the Assassin is worse than Unobtainium. (laughs) I don't care who says what. I will. So, yes, that bugged me, but... I'm assuming that that is from the game. I'm assuming so, it is too. It, it, somebody is writing it poorly. True. Yes. But like, I could not blame the movie on that one as that's much fair. as I wanted to. That's fair. Um, I did note that I wanted an ostrich. Um, for being a princess with a secret weapon to protect with her life, this bitch is woefully unprepared. <laughs> 
Um, I did something I did really like. I love in any book, TV show, movie, anything, a missionary band of thieves that ends up like bonding with the hero. That is one of my favorite fantasy tropes, no matter what. So those ostrich racer guys became my absolute favorite part of this entire movie. Um, the one assassin uh, that looked like Dollar General Rasputin, and he would like go up into the air and like spin around. I was like waiting for him to do the little Rasputin dance, but he didn't, and that was really upsetting. Um, my last note says, so it's like Groundhog Day, but also a Shakespearean comedy because it ends in marriage. The theme is uncertain. <laughs> At this point, it's 11 p.m., and that was my last note, theme uncertain. Um, there were things that did work for this work up, work in this movie for me like i said i did really like the band of thieves there were a couple times that i caught like kind of quippy jokes and i was like eh, i get it um just in general i was having a really big problem with jay Hall's hair so it was really hard for me to look at the screen the entire time um pluses and minuses uh i i, I did have pluses though which was odd i usually feel like i don't have any pluses <laughs> so let's talk about some negatives now um I'll start. So I wasn't feeling the special effects. Like, especially with the sand and everybody being Thanos. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and I guess, like, even though this is 2010, we are still, that was 13 years ago. Things have changed. Things have evolved. So maybe back in 2010, it was cool, but it was not now. All that said, there were a lot of times where I don't know if it was the filmography. I don't know if it was like the set pieces, but this looked like a made for TV movie. Like I felt like this was something that I was going to be watching in like history class, but like, not like, not like a serious part, but it's just like, like history channel special. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I got some kind of fairly sexist vibes, like a lot and it didn't help that there was only one. I think there was only one female character. Period. Right. Wait. This didn't. Pa- this didn't pass the Bechdel test. Yeah, Bechdel test. <laughs> Never even heard of her. Bechdel. Never heard of her. Never heard of her. There, there were other females, but there's only one. Like, oh, named you're right. Character. You're right. There was that Don't one. Don't worry. Scene. There were the sexy ones. Yeah. We're like, oh, I'm yes. in. Which. Okay. So there was that scene. There was also like the running market scene or whatever, where I'm like. Okay, so Prince of Persia asked Aladdin for Aladdin's homework, and then Aladdin was like, that's cool, but just don't make it obvious that you're copying. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, that song at the end, like during the credits, that was an Alanis set cut, and I was not here for it. Was it? It was. Really? Like at first, at first I thought it was Shakira. And then I was like, wait, maybe not. So then we ended up shazamming it. And yeah, it was Alanis Morissette. And yeah, that's that's a deep cut. <laughs> I don't think that she's playing that at any of her concerts. Um, I am sure that there are more things where I like rolled my eyes at or whatever. Um, ben Kingsley, I guess you could even argue this is probably more of a positive than a negative. But like he was full of camp. It's like it is very clear that Nizam like there's a reason why you don't have any children, Nizam. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, like I I guess, yes, I can move this into the positive category. He did play the snarky evil villain pretty damn well. Um, Lydia, what didn't you like about this? 
like like you said, the CGI in this did not age well at all. Like one of the biggest things of that that I noticed was like the scene with the horse with the armor on. You could completely tell that it was in front of a green screen, and then just all the other uh, like moments, like the turning back of time, and some of the like. We're gonna jump from this really high spot and land down here. Like you could tell that they CGI'd the people, and then cut to the next scene to the actual <laughs> actors. Like it did not age well on that. Um, you can have a narrator, or you can have descriptive text. Yes. You can have both. Pick one or the other. Quit being extra. Also, how many locations did we go through in the first five minutes of this movie? <laughs> like I lost count. Um, the little tent they built in the sandstorm. There is no freaking way that horse was fitting in that tent. Did you see the size of that thing? The tent or the horse? Both. <laughs> <laughs> like the tent was no bigger on this table, and somehow the horse is laying down in the tent. It's like, bigger on the inside. Yeah, this it's is not, not a, a the horse or the tent. Also, Kevin Both. made that joke while we were watching the movie, just so you know. Um, uh, like, like you were saying, his hair bugs me, but it's because I like him with long hair, but it's done so badly. <laughs> like, if it, if it looked more realistic, it would have been okay, but you can tell it's a wig and I'm upset. His hair looked better when it was under Taylor Swift's scarf. <laughs> <laughs> but that's about all I got. But yeah, th- those little things irked me. No. Um, Tabitha, I know we just live X'd your, uh, <laughs> your responses, but is there anything in particular that you were like, oh, no, thank you? Yeah, there was quite a bit. But, I mean, I was having a hard time watching this and like, taking it seriously um i think mostly because of his hair like i it's like harry it's like harry's hair in goblet of fire like mm. i can't like that is a sad movie and like there is drama happening and the whole time i'm like Everyone's oh my god hair your hair like jesus just cut free hair um i just it really bothered me in this sorry continue no you had a you had a thing have <laughs> you, your thought you raised your hand you did yes, Lydia. Yes, Lydia. <laughs> because you mentioned goblet of fire and the hair who directed the movie? Mike Newell, who was the director of Goblet of Fire. Uh, this is all his fault. Wigception. Wiggate. Wiggate. It's actually just Harry's hair sewn into a wig cap for Jachel and all. Uh, no, there was. There was. The, the CGI was not great. Like the whole sand surfing at the end, and like, how did Amina, like, survive Tamina whatever her name was she didn't she went everything went back in time no I mean like as he was sand surfing and like he gets down to the bottom like where'd she go oh she's buried in the like at the very end side. yeah not when he was like doing the stabby stabby of the oh, of the, oh that part the yeah wall. he's like sand surfing because the building's falling apart and he's like ooh, I'm so epic and then it's like she disappears and all of a sudden she's like Hi, I'm here guys and like I'm sorry, did you use Galinda's magic bubble? Like, how'd you get here? <laughs> she, she knows the secret passageway. If, apparently. Um, I think the thing that bothered me the absolute most in this movie is, you're right, there were some sexist undertones. I think the most sexist undertone of this is her being like, I've been trained and 
raised to guard this dagger with my life and to keep it safe. And then her version of battle is whacking some guy with a broadsword the wrong way and then running away screaming while Jake Gyllenhaal fixes everything. Like, woefully unprepared. I could defend this dagger better than she can and I got a bum back. Like... The, the best fight scene she had was knocking him upside the head with that bone. Yes! And she <laughs> Which had to, we saw coming from a mile away. And she had to damsel and distress herself into that, into that situation. <laughs> like, every time she had a win... It was only because she faked out a dude with her feminine wiles or someone came in and rescued her because ah, I can't protect my own dagger. Like, Also, can we talk about the fact that like I, I am all here for a storyline of I can't stand you to, okay, I'm in love with you, but not in 2.5 seconds. Yeah. Well, when that original like kiss was about to happen, I was like, we don't have time for this. What are you doing? And then I realized she was using it as a diversionary tactic. And I was like, okay, I'll allow it. And then at the end, I'm like, the world is in peril. <laughs> we had one day together. Stop it. Do not have time for a makeout sesh in this tunnel. I love a man venture novel as much as the next guy. But that this read almost too much like one. Matt brought up the Bechtel test. Like, this absolutely fails. Um, I, I think there were more bad than good here. But the, the, the biggest bad for me is definitely Tamina's absolute lack of actual character. Like, she didn't need to be there for any of this to happen at all. That made me sad. Matt, what didn't you like about it? I'm trying to think if there's anything that hasn't already been mentioned. Um, <laughs> we've covered a lot of things. Um, yeah, there, I'm going to go back to the CGI just for a minute because there are moments where it like pans out and you're seeing like an expanse or it's like showing you like a video game. You can walk into a room and it gives you a pan escape of the room kind of showing you where you're supposed to go. While I enjoyed those graphically, they look like they came right out of the video game in 2003, not from even the movie in 2010. So yes, I enjoyed them. Were they well done? No. So we'll just throw that out there. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know if there's anything. Oh, so I guess my other big thing, which did not work for me, is at the end, all is said and done, Dastan confronts Nazim and just lays everything out there, this big giant plot of what's happened, what's really going on, what you know, who killed who, and you know, what underhanded deeds were being done. And all of a sudden, Nazim just snaps, decides he's going to kill Dastan, and his brother comes in and is like, oh, right, he is a bad guy. Let me stab him. Okay, let's go party. <laughs> I'm like, we were, oh, we were doing okay on, on eliminating plot holes until the very end. And then it's just like, oh, wait, we did okay, so let's just leave one really big one where this doesn't make any sense at all. And that was the ending. So I know you're you haven't watched Buffy in a really long time and you're new to Buffy. But there are multiple scenes in Buffy where the characters are either turned into like bad versions of themselves or different creatures like completely and entirely 
different that don't look anything like them and they there's this overarching theme of being able to look at someone's face and knowing that it's your person like your Mm. you know whether it's Buffy and Giles or Buffy and one of her boyfriends like it's being able to look (laughs) at your person and know they're telling the truth and know who they are and like it was like that but the look that they were each giving like that like not the look I'd be giving you if I was like it's me please believe me but it was more like I don't know what I'm talking about but maybe do you like and they're both like doing these very aggressive like eyebrow maneuvers while they're like figuring out this whole are you telling the truth brother like (laughs) that was spot on i know (laughs) just very frustrating all right so have you seen this movie before and if you have, how does it hold up to the to a previous viewing? Um, slash, would you see this again? Um, for me, it's a very easy no and probably not. <laughs> um, Tabitha. Yeah, I have not watched this before. Um, and I, I don't know if it was on in like a waiting room at like the dentist office. I might, <laughs> I might read the subtitles for a while, but I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it one of my favorite subtitles um and it was like in the beginning and i don't even remember what exactly was going on but it was like this the the army of like guys like but it said like they were whooping rhythm rhythmically oh, i was like where they were running and going yeah bump, 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 bump. <laughs> yeah. yeah that was bugging the crap out of me by the way that was the thing that bothered me so bad about the narration and the words on the screen because then I am hard of hearing. And so I've also got the subtitles reading the language to me that's already being printed on the screen. And it was like wordception and I could and none of it was in order and like everything was just slightly off. It was driving me and it was in papyrus and it was driving me insane. Lydia. So I have seen this before. I'm actually fairly certain I saw it at the drive-in when it came out, kind of like I saw John Carter at the drive-in when it came out, oddly enough. Um, They're the same movie. Was that Jake Gyllenhaal? (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think I had seen it since then, at least not in its entirety. So what I remember from the first viewing to now don't really match up. Like, I don't remember watching it the first time and thinking, wow, this is a lot like Aladdin and Assassin's Creed. And uh, I, there, there was like two other things. that Aladdin's we Creed. <laughs> Sorry. That's literally what this is. <laughs> like, yeah, there was like two other things we compared it to throughout watching it. And I don't remember what they were now. But in my head, I was like, but I think technically this game came out before... Like Assassin's Creed, so I can't compare that to the then. Uh, I don't know what what's copying what. Also, side note, I'm completely derailing this for a second. Talking about Aladdin, do you guys know how screwed up that whole thing is? So we looked it up. Aladdin set like Arabian setting, mm-hmm. right? Was apparently originally a story about a Chinese guy that was written by a French guy. Hmm. It's a small world after all. If that gets stuck in my head, I'm calling you 3 a.m. and saying it's <laughs> Yeah, 
So that was a side tangent we went on last night while watching this movie, which completely broke my brain. But anyway, I still liked what I saw, despite the different flaws of it. I do. I remember liking it a little bit more than I first saw it because I don't think I was quite making the like connections I was this this viewing. But I don't know. It it wasn't really better or worse one time or the other. I don't think. Matt, you already fessed up to seeing this before. So how did it hold up? Um, we got done watching this, and Tabitha looked at me, and I think I don't even remember what we said, but I was like, "Yeah, I've, I've actually I've actually seen this before." What? <laughs> yeah, I I don't remember when. I don't remember why. I know that it. I know that I saw it not long after it came out the first time. Um, I think sadly I might have actually owned the DVD. But I think that might have just been a matter of, like, because I could. Um, not that I really wanted to. Um, it was definitely better the first time around because I wasn't looking at it with a critical eye. I was just watching it as, like, oh, this should be a fun popcorn action movie based on a video game. Um, would I watch this again? Um, I... I don't think I would seek this movie out to watch it again, but yes, if it was on in a waiting room somewhere, I would probably watch it. Um, this wouldn't even be one, honestly, anymore that I would watch if I were flipping channels in the ages of, you know, flipping channels and seeing this being on. I think I would just keep going and find something else. So, final question. Is... Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, A Guilty Pleasure, or A Dumpster Fire. Which, quick aside, I always felt like The Sands of Time made it sound like it was a sequel. (laughs) Like we had already seen like The Prince Prince of of Persia Persia. and this was The Prince of Persia 2. I digress. (laughs) Um, Matt, is this A Guilty Pleasure or A Dumpster Fire? I think based on the way this has aged... It is a dumpster fire. Tabitha. So here's the thing. Is this a guilty pleasure? Am I going to be like, I'm going to put that movie on in the background and watch it? Absolutely not. Is it something I would literally like to light on fire in a dumpster like some of the things we have watched? No. Um, It's like like a trash can fire instead of a dumpster fire. (laughs) Fair. Okay. Okay. So... I don't know where to where to. Place I mean, that. it's still on fire. Okay. It's still garbage. <laughs> okay. It's just not in a dumpster. It's a guilty fire. It's a guilty trash fire. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Lydia. <laughs> so I I forgot to say when we were doing the last part, I would watch this again. Not like I would go out and like actively go, hey, I'm gonna watch Prince Persia today. But if I needed something to put on in the background because I'm having one of those days where my brain's just like, yeah, I'm not gonna focus on anything that I haven't paid attention to before so screw you i could definitely see myself putting this one on just as background noise and i would not be upset about it and the things that i did like about this i would watch it again and i wouldn't feel bad about it so i'm gonna say it's a guilty pleasure well i'm going to say that you are outnumbered lydia this is a dumpster fire (laughs) or a trash can fire as you will (laughs) so between the two episodes that we've recorded, 
Um, we've now been at your house for like three hours, and I am sure that you guys would really like for us to leave. So yeah that too (laughs) y'all are fine i'm just worried about not seth over here sitting in a cloud of our tiny dog's gas (laughs) (laughs) he may not live to see another day (laughs) so with that um, (laughs) goodbye everybody goodbye 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 That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Geek Awakens Podcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens. Theme music created and produced by E. Cannon Beats. Our logo was designed by Shay McCain. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We're boldly gone. <laughs>